Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the mega stinker. <laughs> Not to tip my hand. Con Air. He's a U.S. Ranger, highly decorated, did a little hell raising when he was a kid, but nothing serious. He's defending his wife, got in a drunken brawl, and he killed a guy. Could have happened to you or me. After serving the last of his sentence, Cameron Poe is taking the first plane home to his wife and daughter. Today's flight is a special one. We're populating Louisiana's Felton Penitentiary. These guys are the worst of the worst. I see a lot of celebrities among us. I see 11 primetime lives, three regions from Kathy Lee's, and a genuine 2020 interviewee. What you looking at, punk? Nothing, I was just mind your cage. But one wrong flight. Stewardess, what's the end flight movie today? <laughs> can ruin your whole day. What happened? We caught the plane, man! Welcome to Con Air. Jailbird 1, you are not cleared for takeoff. And nobody on this aircraft gives a flying. The issue here is how the plane is brought down. Shoot it down. There are innocent people up there. He's got a little girl to come home to. He's been waiting for this day for eight years. What are you gonna do? What do you think I'm going to this summer, check your weapons. Take your seat. Isn't that your car? And say your prayers. He's got the whole world in his hand. From Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of The Rock, Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Where are they going to land this thing? How do you feel about the blackjack tables? On June 6th, buckle up. Con Air, directed by Simon West. Thank you, and have a pleasant flight. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do, and I'm going to try not to sneeze. I'm like right on the verge of a a sneeze. Let it out. I will try not to do that. All right, so it is a 1997 film directed by Simon West, and we'll talk about him a little bit, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. I think last week I said, you know, with all the vast research that we do on the show, I think last week I said it was a Michael Bay movie. (laughs) Michael Bay didn't have any, but Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer are pretty much the same guy in my mind. I don't know. I'm sure if there's any fans of those two, we might get attacked, but all right, so this is a synopsis. Just paroled Army Ranger Cameron Poe, Nicholas Cage, is headed back to his wife, but must fly home aboard a prison transport flight dubbed Jailbird with some of the worst criminals living. Genius serial killer Cyrus the Virus Grissom, played by John Malkovich, unleashes a violent escape plot in mid-flight. Secretly working with U.S. Marshal Vince Larkin, John Cusack, Poe tries to foil Grissom's plan. So 
I had never seen this one. So is it okay if I go first? You on this? should go first. Okay. All right. So a uh, couple of things. Um, for whatever reason, I thought this, all these years, I had thought the plot of this was Suicide Squad. I thought it was a group of uh, criminal geniuses or the worst criminals in the world, and the government is getting them together to do a mission. So I was completely wrong about that. You I were wrong know. about that. I didn't know it was hijacking the plane. Um, so a couple of little, uh, I'll get the nitpicky things out of the way first. A couple of things that I found really <laughs> funny in this. So the very opening of the movie is Nicolas Cage. He comes back from, he's been at war in the Middle East. They don't give us a lot of information about that. And he goes home to Alabama to his wife who is pregnant and works in a bar. And he is immediately harassed by these three redneck guys, which was funny to me because if I know anything about rednecks in the 90s, they hated the military right. and hated veterans, right? You know? and, and not just harassed, like, yeah. I mean, I just un, implausible, like this one guy is so aggressive in hitting on this woman who is clearly greeting her husband. And she's pregnant. And, and like he's in his military uniform. And the, <laughs> their first dialogue is like, oh, it's been so long. You Welcome home, honey. And he's just like, they're in, embracing. And the guy walks up. He's like, hey, how about you dance with me and leave this loser? <laughs> yes. It's like if he walked up and knocked his hat off or something. It's I don't think I've ever seen behavior like that in my life. And just in what world was this happening in the nineties? I mean, the guy makes a, re I think they're clearly, you know, this was probably somebody who was mad about how Vietnam veterans were treated. Cause he's the guy's like, just like those, you know, no, those guys in Vietnam, no. you're terrible. You know, you, you, uh, you're already trying to make too much sense of this. It's movie. true. It's true. But uh, so they immediately harass, harass them. And then when they're leaving the bar, the uh the, the three rednecks attack um nicholas cage and his wife yes and with self with vicious intent like it's it's pretty clear they intend to kill him and rape her that that's how i mean they ostensibly said you know i thought we we'd give you a ride home or something like that but they they immediately fan out and surround him so this is this is an attack. It's not like it's also pouring rain, like yeah. cats and dogs. So they go out to the car, you know, they, they sort of huddled under his jacket running for the car. And these three guys have apparently just been standing out in the rain, in the yeah. rain by, by a fence near the car waiting for them to come out. And I'm like, I don't know anybody who does that either. You know, and the and a funny thing is when you know the the guys start harassing them, and it's not like Nicolas Cage is just like, "Hey guys, I just got back. I don't want any trouble." You know, it's right. not like he is, no. you know, at all like embarrasses them or beats them up in the bar. He's just like, "Hey, can you just leave us alone?" Yeah. <laughs> you know? If it wouldn't be too much trouble, would you please stop? Yeah, yeah. So then, in self defense, he kills one of the guys, and and. This was totally implausible to me. So immediately they're in trial. 
at the trial. So three drunk guys attack a war hero and his pregnant wife. After making a big display of doing it yeah, inside these, in yeah, a all crowded restaurant, a hundred witnesses. And, ju- and the judge is like, son, your training in the military makes you a, a dangerous weapon. When has this ever happened? And it, again, he a has a bad hero. like court appointed lawyer that's like, you just got a cop to it. You know, yeah. if you plead non-guilty, they're going to put you away forever. So you just got to plead guilty to it. You know, and they'll they'll sentence you to four and you'll be out on parole in a year. And then the judge is like, 10 years. <laughs> I just can't imagine that there is a, in the 90s, definitely not today, but in the 90s, there would have been a courtroom in America, especially in Alabama, that would have been like, yeah, this war hero guy, we got to put we got to show them, you know, we got to put them away. They can't be using their military training on civilians. You know, it, it was that just cracked me up. Yeah. It, it was very okay. strange, but I, and, and a lot of this dialogue for me, th- there's much to discuss, which we will discuss in this film, but the dialogue, I'm sure there are other movies with equally bad and even worse dialogue, but most of the time, if you don't change the dialogue that, that needs work in the script, as you shoot it, you know, an actor will say, Hey, can I just, I know the line is this crazy thing, but can I just change it a little bit? Can I just sort of say this? And, you know, and then the director would be like, great. People are like, no, my pressure is not Shakespeare. You know, mm-hmm. no, directors are like, yeah, that's better. Um, or they'll at least get the option. If not, then everybody works against it. Like, how do you, how do you make this line that no human being would say sound like a human being is plausibly saying it, you know? And I didn't feel like there was any of that work being done in this movie at all. So the judge is like, because of your military training, your hands are considered lethal weapons. And then you, therefore you are held to a higher standard. I hereby sentence you. And, and, and then it was sort of like, a, you know, may your incarceration teach you a valuable lesson. About, I mean, it just, it was almost like he was reading it off a teleprompter. Everybody mm-hmm. in this movie delivers these. Some of them are just really cornball lines. Some of them are literally stating the obvious. I wish I had an example of, of a time when somebody we're seeing it on screen. A person walks in and sees it on screen and says, this is what I'm seeing. I mean, it really is like, we don't, you just showed it to us. You don't need to tell us too. Uh, and, and then sometimes it's just crazy. Like the, the Malkovich character is supposed to be Cyrus the virus. What does it have to do with vi- just because viruses are nasty? Like, did he just rhymes release? Yeah. Exactly. It just, yeah. did he, Oh, did he release a pandemic? Nope. Oh, is he a hacker? Is he a computer? Fire? Nope. Just rhymes with Cyrus. People. I'm like, well, yeah. why? You know, it's kind of dumb. Yeah, but it rhymes with Cyrus. Like, you named him Cyrus. <laughs> Name him literally anything else that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I started rolling. You? No, 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 no. It's fine. This is, this is a good movie to roll with. So, so Nick K. I'm not going to go through the whole plot, but so then it's it it's basically just the next few scenes is Nick 
Cage, we get the idea, was a model prisoner because he's not a bad guy. Right. And he served his time and he's getting out and he's been writing letters to his daughter, his now daughter, who's 10 years old or whatever she is, and his wife. And it's, you know, the day that he's going to get out and he's going to get on this plane. And I will say that I am a hundred percent a Nick Cage apologist. I love Nick Cage. <laughs> and it's and it's, you know, he's done a lot of bad stuff. And, you know, since this movie was released and he's now kind of a punchline, but I still love Nick Cage. But his accent in this movie is atrocious. And at first I thought, oh, he's just doing his he's just doing the same accent as he had in Raising Arizona. But it's not even that it's I don't know what the accent is, but it's awful. It's just well, aren't Red they? He's like from Louisiana or something. It's supposed, right? to, be, it's supposed to be Alabama. Yeah. Alabama, but so, it's just terrible. It's, <laughs> it's it, and it's all it's over awful. the place. It's yeah. all over the place. There are some scenes where he's sort of like like a mint julep and yeah, a, yeah, exactly. And a mint julep. sitting on the parlor porch. And then there's other times when he's just short of Nick Cage, and you're like, so did you drop it? Prison? Oh no, there it's back. <laughs> He apparently didn't work with any kind of a, a voice coach or anything. You, know? you astound and, me. He didn't yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, apparently the director just rolled with it. It's like, eh, he's going in and out of accent. Who cares? Nobody's going to pay attention. There's a whole lot of who cares in this movie. There's a whole lot of who cares. There are some you bright have, spots, though. I, I, you know, there are some. You have a really great cast. So we, you know, we talked about Nick. We've got Nick Cage. Yes. You have. Dave Chappelle is in this. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> can we just take a moment and we, and tick down everybody who's in this? Because I don't even think I can get them all, right? Mm-hmm. So we got Nicolas Cage, Dave Chappelle in a prominent role, mm-hmm. John Cusack, Ving Rhames, mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi, mm-hmm. John Malkovich, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, McKelty Williamson. He's from Forrest Gump. Forrest Bubba from Forrest yes, Gump. Yes. Yes. Uh, you have um, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Uh, there's a bunch of other people that you'd recognize. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's some people that you would recognize that that get a lot of these roles. Um, a lot that, of character actors. But yes. yeah, all of those, you know, big big stars. And there's somebody else that I wanted to just oh there's the there's the oh. there's the DEA agent who's an English actor. His name is Colm Meany. Colm Meany. His name in real life. He's been and in a million things. This is the most the craziest casting for Colm Meany. This guy, this character on the page, is a cliche of a cliche. And then somebody took a pass at him and was like, "What if we made it bigger?" It's not cliche. <laughs> and then enough. they're like, I know who I'm seeing in the hot rod car and the like, you know, F you attitude, Colm Meany. <laughs> and he's a badass. And he's and we British. Know, yeah, he's a badass. And we know he's a badass because he drives an old Corvette with a personalized license plate, badass, but the S's are Z's. Z's. That's a, and he backs into and he whew, wheels in and backs into his parking spot. Right. That's how we know he's a badass. I mean, this guy, this character is like, you know, the walking, talking. He's got the shades. 
he he smuggles a gun. They're putting an agent on the plane, and there's a strict rule against there being a weapon on the plane for pretty obvious reasons. It's a transporting these really top tier criminals, like really truly. Deep. First of all, putting them all on the same plane is ludicrous. It's like, a brilliant idea. You know, you're gonna you're, you're gonna take somebody who is guilty of all these violent crimes and well we could there's a big plane we fit 30 of them in there <laughs> we have like 20 hannibal lectors and we're gonna put them exactly. all on a plane on, on a plane with some snakes yeah. uh but this so this guy goes this this jerk off i'm gonna sneak a gun in your sock while i'm supposedly you know chaining you up to look like one of the prisoners guess what happens <laughs> <laughs> right colmini I, from the very second he opens his mouth, I'm like, what were they thinking? Did they owe this guy a favor? Did someone lose a bet? Nothing against Cole Meany, right? Yeah. Cole Meany's a good actor. I have no, he's, I'm not, it's just the, the choice of, and the other one that I, that I constantly scratch my head at on this movie is John Cusack. We're going to do a, it's essentially, it's a kind of a buddy cop thing in the end and it's going to be nick cage and john cusack <laughs> and you think well i don't th- see how that would work it doesn't it no. doesn't work and the thing that i absolutely love with with john cusack and i know you know it was the 90s and this was the style but everyone's clothes look pretty normal you know could fit into a movie today except for john cusack is wearing a tan suit that's three sizes too big. And it looks like he's his suit's all baggy and his shirt underneath is all baggy. And it looks like he's wearing his dad's, he's like a boy wearing his dad's suit. <laughs> so he's just running around with this baggy suit the whole time. Yeah. And it looks ridiculous. Yeah, but he's, and so there's this ongoing battle between him and Cole Meaty, who wants to shoot down the plane. And for whatever reason, John Cusack has to save the plane. I I never really, other than there's a couple of innocent people on it. Yeah, I mean I, that's I, that's just I guess that's the main he's thing. Just like he you did, can't shoot it down. He doesn't want still, to. Yeah, but he's like, you can't take down my plane. My Poe, who is essentially a free man and is the only guy up there trying to stop. And then there's some guards that are still yeah, alive. Yeah, there's the guards. Yeah, you shoot down the plane. Yeah. Plus, yeah, they're criminals and they're they've done despicable things, but. You can't just murder them. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. Blow them out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, the other, the other thing that I want to just sort of on that topic of casting is John Malkovich. Now John Malkovich has played bad guys and crazy guys uh, to great effect. I really feel like it's not that he does a bad job in this movie as much as I think it's, it's super vague. Right. He is supposed to be the criminal mastermind, puppet master, like pulling all the strings. And the movie tells that story. But from the get go, calling him Cyrus the virus. You know, is a head scratcher, you're like, so how does the virus come into it? Doesn't um, he doesn't. I mean, he has a plan that he is unfolding that seems to hinge on landing the plane at an airport and then trusting a South American cartel boss which is always a good idea always trust the cartels because that's mm-hmm. going to work out for you i think popular culture has taught that oh yeah they're trustworthy guess what they they don't come through for him uh-huh. but all of his dialogue seems to just be kind of crazy with a k 
and not consistent with a K. <laughs> he's just saying crazy stuff. Like when he yells at people and threatens them, it's just supposed to sound like this guy's crazy. Did you do you do you understand? Yeah, Does that make I sense do. To you? The thing that really stood out to me is seeing so many, and you know, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily recall what John Malkovich was like before this movie, it, you know, what his roles were like, but you have none of the quirky weirdness that John Malkovich, it's not John Malkovich, no pun intended, being John Malkovich in this. Um, it, it, it just seems like a lot of different kind of scary, tough guy actors could have played this role. It's almost like they cast Malkovich because of that kind of mercurial quality that John Malkovich, you know, the kind of um, crazy look he can do in his eyes, that mm -hmm. that, that unpredictable, like, what what's he going to do? Um, but then the director fought that it was like no can you like go to the gym and like you actually can you be kind of like a hollywood action movie badass bad guy yeah that's what he's like and i'm, and I'm like well why would you cast my i mean there's a million of those guys that you don't have to pay malkovich money mm -hmm. just the cast of this movie alone was so expensive you also have and i, I don't want to you know if you have more about malkovich i don't want to get off of that but you also have Steve Buscemi, who I feel is completely wasted in this. He's supposed completely. to be—he's supposed to be the almost like the worst of all the the killers. And we have this thing where he go. There's a you like mentioned you mentioned Hannibal Lecter. They literally like wheel him on in a special truck that like lowers this chair, and then there's twelve guys circle up, and he's like chained to a chair with a you know, headgear and a, literally a Hannibal Lecter mask on. So it's like they every every time they add a new prisoner, they up the stakes, right? Mm -hmm. This guy's in two cages. He's in a cage inside a cage. This guy, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? There's four guys literally holding him on change. And then until we get to Steve Buscemi, where they like have to roll in a special truck. It's like Dune. And this, <laughs> like we can't even trust you know, <laughs> we can't even trust guys to be in the box with him. Like, yeah. And then they just, so they roll him up and they lock him in a cage in the plane and they, anyway, go ahead. And they don't do anything with him no. other than he, he doesn't really do anything with helping with the plan or anything. He just gets out and wanders away from the plane and finds this abandoned swimming pool where there's a little girl having a tea party and he goes and sits with, her at the tea park to that and they can they just continually having you think that he's going to kill the little girl and then later he gets on the plane and he has her doll and you think like oh he murdered this little girl and he didn't right and you, you so it's like here's scary most evil guy ever and he doesn't do anything right so he was he's just steve buscemi in it he says some kind of weird things and he, they and like use him Nicholas as the Cage truth teller to shut up but that's it yeah, they yeah. they like use him as the truth teller. Um and I I think I don't know why you even need that in this movie. Like why is it that the 
the it's the crazy guy that everyone's afraid of who you know literally eats people or whatever he says at one point a killed a, a girl and wore her head like a hat for it's terrible yeah. <laughs> it's terrible in so many ways um but then there's other times it's like they're saying somebody says something about politics and he kind of lays it out he's like well you know if you think about it <laughs> you're kind of you're supposed to be like yeah the psychopath is right <laughs> what what are we yeah. this movie could have been two minutes shorter <laughs> just don't cut that it's like they didn't nobody had any idea why they were slapping this stuff in there you know it's kind of like and then there's a i guess he's a gay character or a trans character yeah that i actually thought was a terrific performance but it's fairly offensive in the way that it's drawn they certainly don't give this actor they much to do kind of say mean things to him on occasion you know um the other inmates it just feels like this gumbo of like all of these possible cliches and somebody thought this is gonna be great and you're like well Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) i'm not saying it couldn't have been great (laughs) i think you you didn't quite bring it home uh no uh what else? I and mean, here's the so thing. Much. So when you look at, so Simon West, when you look at his filmography, <laughs> he did a lot of bad. This might be the best thing that he did or one of the best things that he did. Uh, he directed the general's daughter. I don't know if you ever saw that with John Travolta. It's terrible. Um, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, which has a 20% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um I've never seen Black Hawk Down. You know, I guess it's an okay movie, uh, but I've never Black seen Hawk it. Black Hawk Down direct- is good, but he didn't direct okay. Black Hawk Down. Um, yeah, he, was- he's the director of, or no, he's executive producer. I'm sorry, he didn't direct it. Um, <laughs> Ridley he, Scott directed it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, he directed the the remake of When a Stranger Calls. He directed The Mechanic with Jason Statham, which I think is pretty bad. He also directed The Expendables 2. It's a really bad movie. Uh, and then there's some other stuff that I don't even know what it is. So it's like Con Air might be the best movie that he directed, which isn't, <coughs> which isn't saying much at all. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't see a lot of directing going on in this movie. Um, certainly not of the actors. I mean, a director directs a lot of different stuff, but... Um, I just thought one reason why you might get excited to see this movie is the list of names. You think, oh my God, I mean, this is this is gonna be great. I mean, almost like how are you gonna find enough fun stuff for all these people to do together? Mm-hmm. And it's um it's bad, bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's I wanted to stop watching it, honestly. I was like, oh, I forgot. Oh, I didn't. I guess maybe since I'd not seen it, it's really dumb, you know, obviously. But I didn't hate it. I did watch it in two. I watched it's almost two hours. 
and I watched an hour one night and an hour the second night. So I didn't watch I think, it all in one sitting. I think that might have made the difference because I watched it all in one sitting. And it was, I mean, I don't, I'm, I, I, you know, we have watched worse movies together and talked about them. Um, but I had seen it before and, and it is so dumb that about halfway through, I thought, oh, I'm tired of this, you know, like <laughs> tired, like this is wearing me out and there's not, it's not giving me enough good stuff that to enjoy. I'm just like, being punched by a big dumb dummy you know and I, yeah. you just got tired of it about halfway through but but i feel like it and i you know i've i've talked i brought this up last week that modern action movies aside from you know a few gems here and there don't do a whole lot for me because i think this is one of the movies that kind of set the pre- precedent and the the model for everything that came after it. There just, you have so many dumb action movies now that are dumb, sure. but not fun. And just in my opinion, and no, this, no, made, I agree. this made in today's dollars about $350 million. So, you know, it was a, it was a big hit. Um, so this is just kind of what you think of with action movies now. But I don't, I mean, I agree that the in premise, this spectacle of the big popcorn action movie is dumb, right? Cars leap, things defy physics, often cars and trucks and explosions and physics itself, um, the human body. Um, in a similar way that superhero movies do, but the premise of a superhero movie is like, oh, but they're super, like they're aliens or their gamma rays or whatever make it different for them mm-hmm. in an action movie. It's just people who are badasses and cars that, you know, don't follow physics, but mm-hmm. I don't dislike action movies. I think they're, you know, die hard. <laughs> I love that movie. That's a oh, great, sure. that's a great original- action movie. The original Die Hard, but I, yeah, you know, it, Die well, Hard, but, the ones made in the 2000s. Sure, but it know. follows the action movie formula right down to the second coming of the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. The bad guy who's beat, but then <gasps> pops up again at the end. And yeah, and then the one, the icy one liner, you know, should have stayed down or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Ice to see you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it, it hit all the marks, but the acting was great. And the casting was great and there was just so much about it that was great. The script was great dialogue. So I love a good action movie. I love a good action yes. movie. Yeah, that's my that's my my badly made point is that they're they seem kind of few and far between yeah. these days. Yeah. In my opinion. I you know, I haven't religiously followed the Fast and the Furious franchise, but I did go see one of the relatively recent ones with a friend mm-hmm. who was really into it a couple of years ago. Oof, maybe maybe five years ago, maybe more than a couple of years ago. Um, you know, talking about cars, I mean there's like a 17 cars doing ballet in midair while guys are yeah. shooting guns between the it's it's absolutely baloney but it was fun yeah and i don't know the history of the characters i don't know who is whose 
brother or surrogate brother or ex-girlfriend or whatever. But there's lots of scenes in the later parts of that franchise where somebody walks in and everybody else kind of goes, oh, oh, there's history. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know what that is. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. but it was still it was still fun. The cars look good. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. They can be oh, yeah. fun. They don't they can be fun and dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I'll admit to I've not seen more than 10 minutes or so of any of the Fast and the Furious movies. So, um, you know, maybe they're I don't know. I've just stayed away from them. But I, I wasn't expect. I mean, I wouldn't have except he insisted that that's what he really wanted to see. And I was kind of like, OK, I mean, yeah, I wasn't feeling like turning my nose up at sure to see a movie with a buddy. But um you know, everything in this from casting Cole Meany in that role to casting John Cusack in that role uh, to just the accent work across the board. I'm like, well, just don't do it. Like, why? Yeah. We didn't need some extremely. It was like he showed up on set being like, oh, yeah, I can do an Alabama or whatever. Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'm, there is a specific Alabama accent. It's not. I don't know what it is. But, you know, I think a lot of people who live in the north, no, a lot of people live in the north think there's sort of one southern accent. You're like, nope, nope. There's many, 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 many. Uh, And he's clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, He has some something that sort of drifts all over the place. And I, I would just think just talk like Nick Cage, like there's enough going on in this movie that you and don't need to sound like a southern hero. He didn't do a ton of really this kind of action hero stuff, Mm-mm. but he he has the look for it in well, the movie. You know, he got all in shape and everything. Everybody's and, in shape. Yeah, they got yeah. a trainer or something. That must have been part of the budget to make everybody beef up because even Steve Buscemi looks like he's in shape. Yeah, and he does a good job with the fight scenes and running around, you know, sure, avoiding explosions and that kind of stuff. (laughs) So he could have been, he could have been as good an action star as um, Bruce Willis, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the guy has an Oscar. It's not that it's it and the hair, right? He's got this shoulder length long hair that. They have like sort of, I don't know, greased back on the sides. He's got mm-hmm. the strangest looking hair in this movie. And I just thought, why? Why? I mean, d- several people were involved. So mm-hmm. you and you thought like we all we all think this looks good. This is how we want it. <laughs> it's like you look great. Let's let's yeah. roll it. You know, <laughs> guys. What if he maybe just doesn't have that long hair, you know, or maybe try a different hair piece that looks good or mm. whatever it is. It's just like uh, no time. Let's just keep this is what we're going to go with. <laughs> well, they obviously liked it because they, you know, they go out of their way to show him, you know, there's it's almost yes. kind of iconics. From, yeah. Where he's just standing there and his hair is blowing in the wind. Like and Fabio. Happy. Yeah. 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 Like Fabio. Yeah. So they, they leaned into the hair, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like the time thought it was cool. I think this there's so many things in this movie that feel like a bunch of people were like, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, my God. I can't people. We're going to blow their minds. You know, you know, this guy, this 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 tough DEA character. Yeah. Yeah. You know who we got? Colmini. 
<laughs> oh, you're really gonna love that yeah because it's counter casting it's like not who you'd expect but he nails it i'm like strongly disagree across the board I, this is these choices but it's it, again it's so many so many misses with these guys and it feels like there's so much wasted opportunity just you know you could have had just nick cage and and, you know, he's the good guy. And Danny Trejo is the bad guy. Just them. You could have made a good movie with that. Or sure. just John Malkovich or or whoever. Sure. Or Ving Rhames. You don't even need all of these guys who are all wasted. I agree. There's almost just too much, too many subplots and too many little. I mean, there's characters. There's so many of them. Uh, there's characters that uh, I feel like there's something going on behind. Chewie's me. back there. Yeah. <laughs> He's trapped. He's trapped in one of the. He got trapped in the bathroom. Yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's you know, it's not, it's it's not horribly incompetently put together or anything. And no. it's shot well, and the stunts are good, and it, you know, it, it you know, it's a professionally made. So are Michael Bay movies. It's sure. not that they're slapdash or looked like they were made by a student filmmaker. Um, mm-hmm. But that's part of what's frustrating to it to to me about it is you clearly have a team of people that understand the art form. These were choices that you made. Mm-hmm. You made the choice not to take another pass at this dialogue. You made the choice to use that take where it doesn't sound like I mean, it's just acting one on one to me. Is does this sound like one human being plausibly talking to another human being? If not, let's at least do another take. Mm-hmm. Or at the table reading, when people can't make sense of this dialogue, take a red pencil and make some changes. I mean, that's the cheapest part of the process. It's pre-production. Sure. But everybody's like, no, no, it'll be great. I mean, you talk about in the 80s. I feel like there was a lot of coke going on where people like, yeah. this would be great. People get to love it. They're going to love it. Let's go, 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 go. And the crew wasn't doing cocaine. The crew was doing their job, right? The pyrotechnic went off. The set design went off. The stunts went off, right? And I think that's one of my one of my frustrations with action is I think so often the 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 script and the dialogue is the is the area where they don't there aren't enough passes. You know, they it's just like ah, it's just a dumb action movie. The, who nobody cares about the dialogue. They're just to see, the, you know, they're just there to see the explosions and the spectacle. And and movies like the original Die Hard disprove that. You know, another you brought up Michael Bay, and it's been a long time since I've seen these movies, and I have not seen the newest one. But the uh, the first two Bad Boys movies, those are dumb action movies. But as I remember, they're really entertaining yeah. and well done, you know, so they can, it's so Martin dumb Lawrence action movies and, can and be well done. Martin Lawrence and uh, Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith. I mean, yeah. and they've got, they're two great uh, comic comedians and, and they have great uh, chemistry. And they're ridiculous and outlandish and all of that, but they're, they're still a lot of fun. They, it's fun to watch them playing off each other. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's all it takes, really. I mean, nobody's going to buy these things to see Oscar winning, whatever. They just want to have fun. And 
this movie would have been more fun, except all this other stuff kept taking me out of it. Because I'm yeah. just like, yeah, like a wasted, like you give Malcolmich a zing line and the line doesn't make any sense. Not because he doesn't know how to act, but he's just like, there's a part of me that wanted to hit pause and like have a writer's room appear around me and be like, okay, 10 things that would be funnier than that or better, you know, better than that. Because I'd go and just have people like spit out better lines. And I'm just like, <laughs> and he's supposed to be this super genius. Right. You know? um, and other than a couple of times, he's like, eh, you guys are too dumb to understand, you know, my plan or whatever. Ving but- Rames's <laughs> character gets a little, you know, a little like, 22nd backstory about him being this radical, um, you know, kind of Black Panther character. Um, and somebody asks him, like, you know, why are you why are you following this guy, this this white psychopath? Like, and he's just he says, it's just a means to an end. You know, once we get once we're free and we get out of here, I got my own plan, you know, kind of in an ominous wink. And you think, mm-hmm. OK. Well, that justify I mean, that's as much as this movie requires justification for why these two alpha males, one of them is lead letting the other one lead. Remember, we don't, we don't get yeah. any of that from Malkovich and we don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, I'm repeating myself and now I'm just kvetching. Yeah. But, you know, con air, baby. Yeah. It so, so wait, let's let's talk a little bit about the stuff that we do like, all right? Because okay, actually, sure. there is yeah. a scene in it where that that zippy blue sports car gets there's a he tries to keep the plane from taking off at one point, so he has this there's this sort of big chain or rope or something that he he sort of has a hook on the end of it. He hooks one end of the plane and hooks the loops the other end around a something that he thinks isn't going to pull it out That's of the ground. Nick Cage. Nick Cage does this, and the plane's taken off. I think it's Malkovich and and uh, Ving Rhames get machine guns and like shoot the post or something. So the post breaks and the plane is untethered. And now there's this it has a tail with a hook on it that's whipping around that catches the undercarriage of the car. So the plane takes off. Tailing this little blue sports car. And I I I thought that's a great shot. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, uh-uh. but it, it's the kind of crazy that I thought the whole movie was going for. Yeah. And it just looks great. There's this plane. It, it's, it's the uh, jerks car and, you and know, it's real. It's kind of pre CG, you know, so yeah, it was yeah. a real car. It, I just thought, you know, now that is a blockbuster shot as a, a plane dragging a car through the air. Yeah. And it's sort of wildly beautiful in this. And then it, it, they crash through the control. We watch the guy's car get trashed, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, is that your car? And he's like, oh, it couldn't be. I left it at the lot. And we we know it's his car. And then it comes mm-hmm. crashing down into a literal the license plate. Yeah, and explodes. Down. And that's satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if the whole movie had achieved that, this would have been one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I feel like it was kind of going for that. And they thought they had made that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think out of, you know, 35, 40 scenes, you maybe got two or three that landed the way, landed with me the way they thought it would have landed, right? Right. Yeah, I agree. And then I was trying to think of another, oh, so there's <laughs> there's another shot that is terrible, but that I really loved. 
um, there's a car, uh, there's a car chase and there's two, um, motorcycle cops sitting there that, it, you know, it's the cops sitting there, the race goes by, they spot it and then they take off after the car. So the shot is, is if you're lying on the ground with the camera and the, the wheels, the back wheels of the, uh, police bikes are mm-hmm. framing the shot. Right. And, and we're viewing the street like they're just taking a break and we're on the ground seeing the we don't see anything of them, but their boots and the wheels. And then vroom, the things drive by at light speed and a donut. So one of the cops drops a donut and the donut falls right into frame uh-huh. with a single bite taken out of it, like the Apple logo. And yeah. it, it lands on its edge. So it lands standing up this perfect like cop only got one bite of his donut. They dropped what he's doing there, like Ponch and John take off <laughs> into yeah. the frame after the thing. And I thought that is terrible. And I love that. Yeah, <laughs> That is just that. I, I think that is another single shot that the whole movie was trying to be that shot of baloney artwork, where it's just like, it's an homage to the genre and to Hollywood in general and the implausibility of it all, but also this kind of bubblegum art piece that it's like a donut falls into frame. Mm-hmm. You know, the cops boots leave frame as the bikes kick into the tires squeal out yeah. in pursuit of the, and you're just like, yeah, that's what this whole movie was trying to be. But yeah. It really didn't land except for a couple of places. I feel like there was a third one. I, I liked uh, their um, Dave Chappelle misses the plane at one point yeah. when it takes off. And so they find him later, you know, he has crawled up in the landing gear and gotten on the plane and died. And so they, they, they find out because they can't get the landing gear to come up. And so uh, Nick Cage goes down and you know, they tell him he's got to go under there. I think Ben Graham's tells him that. And he finds, Dave Chappelle's body and pushes him out and he drops and lands on a car. Well, why does he uh, do that though? He writes a message. He writes Dave a message Chappelle's to white John t-shirt. Cusack. Yeah. To let them know that the plane is off course. So he is, he is like in, like in Die Hard. He's an inside man that they right. don't know is in there working against them. So he pushes the body out of the plane as a, a message. Mm-hmm. And there is this, it's a sequence. It's not a single shot. It's a sequence of Dave Chappelle's lifeless body sort of falling through the air. It's, it's funny. It's macabre. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, right? And there's this kind of couple, New York couple. It can't be New York, right? It's got to, because they're in the Southwest. It's I think be- it's, yeah, I think it's in the middle of the country somewhere. But it feels like a New York couple on New York streets mm. um, sort of bickering in the car, not bickering, but just being like, I don't know what do you, what do you want me to go? I can't, but there's no parking. I can't, you know, so they're just having this domestic and kind of older man and woman and he lands on their windshield. And, you know, there's this moment of them being like, what the hell just happened? But the, the sequence of him falling through the sky as he goes through the different stratosphere and we see what's going to happen. Like, why are we introducing this couple in the car? 
he's going to land on it, but they draw it out into this, like, now he's falling through the clouds and we see the top of the skyscrapers. Oh, now he's, you know, (laughs) and that's pretty well done, you know? Yeah. And I just, and there's a poetry to it. Yeah. That seems missing from all the, I wonder if they had one second unit person directing these three things that is like, maybe. Yeah. He was the Charlie's in charge of those three scenes. Charlie like nailed it. Oh, I finally (laughs) get my chance to stand out, you know? And, you know, you have Dave Chappelle and so it's 1997. So this would have been before Chappelle show and all of that. So he was just, he was just a stand-up comedian you know, ju- just a stand-up comedian, I say, but maybe they didn't know what they had, but, you know, he gets a couple of okay lines, but, but, you know, here you have this super funny guy and he doesn't get much to do, you know, he doesn't get much to do, but I think he does what he can in between the lines. Like, yeah, the lines they give him are as stupid and wooden as everybody else's lines, mm-hmm. but he finds lots of little irreverent ways to fill his person out, to flesh it out with his personality. There's a, you know, and there's a lot of racist stuff going back left and right across. It's just part of the other convicts. They're not PC. Fine. Um, He's sitting next to a big native American prisoner that we learn he is going to light on fire, not, because he has anything against this guy in particular, it's just that part of the plan. It's happens to be yeah, light the guy next to you on fire. So he's bantering with the guy who's not giving him anything back, just sort of staring out the window. And you know, there's at one point he says some of like, oh, you know, you don't talk to him. Mm. He, he's making fun of him mm. in lots of little nonverbal ways in between his lines. And I thought, you know, if you could, if you got all of these great performers to just spackle in the big gaps with just make pick a choice, any choice, let that be your character. I mean, Dave Chappelle is just kind of Dave Chappelleing. Yeah. He's not, but you could be like, okay, everybody just tape this together with some like color, a little ad libbing maybe, or just, you know, exactly. Yeah. Flourish with the cast that you, have and you've talked about this before in previous movies i don't really remember specifically which one but it doesn't appear that a lot of this happened or or maybe you know this was left on the cutting room floor or whatever where you do you know three takes or whatever of the script scripted dialogue and then you do three or is you're just like dave just just ad lib say whatever you want you know and you and and john malkovich and all these other guys bing rames and you would have almost been certain to get some better dialogue than what you actually have. Yeah. That apparently was on the page. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Ah, so, what it could have, should have. Yeah. This is another one that it'll get remade someday. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. So what do you think? What's, what's your rating on this? I'm coming down right, right on the don't recommend side of the middle needle. I think my Mm. scales tip right over to like, you know, because if you were going to get, again, I think if you and I watched it together, we might've had a lot of fun 
talking about yeah, it, drinking beers. Why? But watching it solo, I just didn't find it. So, so here's what I'll say. I'll say, you know, if you know where you're getting into and you want to watch this with friends and you're down for some kind of laughing and having fun at the movie's expense when it's begging for it. Um, yeah, you might have a good time, but as a single viewer, a solo watcher where I'm just like, I want something that's going to, you know, it's Thursday night and I want something really good to watch. I didn't enjoy myself that much watching it alone. Two hours. Yeah. A lot of things irritated me and took me out of it. Um, and the big bubblegum fun stuff just didn't. Yeah. Pretty much way. the same. Yeah. yeah. I'd say pretty much the same. It, um, if you're a huge action fan and like me, for whatever reason, this is one that you've just never seen before. You know, you can tick it off the box or whatever. You know, I, I had just never gotten around to it for whatever reason. And so now I can say, yeah, I finally saw Con Air, you know, because it's one of those things you say to people, it's like, you've never seen Con Air before, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, because we were like in our 20s when this movie came out. So it was right in the time where I was going to see tons of stuff in the movie theater or renting it or whatever. And just for whatever reason, I never got around to this one. So yeah. I've seen it and I don't think it, I'd watch it again. And there's a reason you've heard of Con Air. Right. And there's a reason why it was a big hit when you hadn't seen it. I was like, oh, you've never seen Con Air. Mm -hmm. Not because it's so great, but because it's sort of a such a remarkable mess. And it's you know what I mean? It's like so there's a there's a reason to see it. That is just sort of like you got to see this, <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to, you know, look. you see it and then we'll talk about what what happened here, like you yeah. and I are doing. I mean, so it's exactly. sort of perfect fodder for conversations like this it would have been super fun to be having it like if we just sat down for three hours and paused it a lot <laughs> yeah been able to do those like, what do you think was going through their mind in that scene right there you know i would have and really it's this would be a great to do like an ms3tk yes you know, kind of a thing yes uh, yes so I mean, MST3K, I should say. Yes, exactly. I think entertaining uh, from those facets. But if you're like judging it as a film, I'm no. going to have to go thumbs down. But it's a it's a movie, not a film. So speaking of movies and films or anything else, TV or whatever, have you seen anything new since we last spoke? I started watching um, the Tom Hanks thing on Apple TV. Oh, okay. The robot. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I turned it off, not because I hate it, but just because I really wasn't in the mood that night. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's going. I didn't get that far into it. Okay. But it's post-apocalyptic. And I, I won't spoil it if I tell you that, at least in the beginning, he starts off on his own. So mm -hmm. it's a guy, something horrible has happened. He's alone. There are super storms. He's got a dog and he builds a robot. And yeah, you know, so there's, there's some castaway to it. There's some, but I just was like, oh, this is going to hurt. Isn't it? Like, mm -hmm. this is just going to, things are going to get. So things are already really bad and they're so bad that you're like, how, 
is Tom Hanks managing to keep his chin up in such bleak situations? And he's doing it as only Tom Hanks can. Mm. But then something really bad, it's weather starts to happen. And you think he's like, then he has to wrestle with, oh, no, we have to leave. And he really doesn't want to leave because that's going to be bad. And that's about the point where I turn it out. I'm like, that's not going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be really bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I can do another. It's the last man on earth or whatever. So things tired. right now, you know, how about just, just like, a fun, sunny, something, yeah. a love story where everyone ends up happy. Mm-hmm. You know what? It works out and they get married and they have kids and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they think that their friend is going to die, but she doesn't. It's it was mis- she gets she was better. Diagnosed. Yeah. And she's going to live another 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So I saw uh, two. I saw I went to the theater twice in the same week. I went to see um, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Oh, yeah. And so my I loved it. Um. I feel like you're either a Wes Anderson fan or you're not a Wes Anderson fan. I can't imagine there are a whole lot of people just like, you know, Wes is okay. Uh, (laughs) It's, it's very Wes Anderson. It's, you know, if you like what other Wes Anderson movies, I, I would imagine you would like this film. It is more. um, So I don't know how you personally feel about Wes Anderson, but um, this is more. Uh, I thought it was going to be almost kind of um, Grand Budapest Part Grand Budapest Hotel Part Two in a way, but this is a lot. This is much more artsy. It's um, you know, it has all the whimsical elements of his other movies, but it's 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 uh, it's essentially an anthology because it's this the French dispatch, which is right. This, it's kind of like the New Yorker. It's very, right. uh, and it's just these, and, um, uh, uh, Bill Murray is the editor and it's, they kind of introduce these, these different writers and their stories that they've submitted for the magazine. So you get these multiple stories and some are light and slapsticky and, um, you know, whimsical in the way other Wes Anderson movies are. And some are, are darker and kind of sad. And there's a lot of black and white in it. There's a lot of nudity in it, which was Mm. kind of unusual, like like full frontal nudity, um, which was unusual for a Wes Anderson movie. But it's, you know, like I say, if you like his other films, it's more of the same. And, and this will sound a little douchey maybe, but I just watching the movie was, I felt the way that I w- feel watching other films of his, I just feel happy yeah. seeing them. You know, it's just his style is just right in my wheelhouse of what, you know, it's almost when you watch something or you read a book or you listen to, a song or whatever. And you just feel like, Oh, this was made for me. You know, that, yeah, that makes sense. That's how I feel watching his films. So I I like what Wes Anderson too. I think some of his later stuff, I like a bit less, Mm -hmm. you know, the Royal Tannenbaums. I really liked and all the earlier stuff. I didn't, Mm -hmm. the one on the train where the, 
brothers take the train the Dark dealing limited yeah that didn't get do it do it for me so much and while i love i felt the same way yeah the grand budapest hotel i loved parts of it mm-hmm. but i mean you know i love the coen brothers and they're not all my favorite coen brothers movie i mm-hmm. really connect with some of it more than others um yeah yeah it's the same same but uh i i mean you know, for people who like Wes Anderson movies, I would highly recommend it. And then last night, I went to see um, the new Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, yeah. And review, reviews overall have been fine for it. It's been a little mixed. Um, but And I thought the trailers looked good and everything. And But... Growing up, I was not a gigantic Ghostbusters fan. I was fine with the movie. Sure. I liked the cartoon. I played the video games and all that. Um, So I was always fine with them. Yeah, there was a Commodore 64 game that I remember playing. And I don't know. There were probably other ones. But but anyway, um, I never disliked Ghostbusters. But there were, you know, there were other franchises that I was more into. But... I really, I really loved this one. It's um, the direction. It's much more like a Spielberg there. It's much more almost an homage to Spielberg than it is Ghostbusters. I no felt. kidding. Yeah. It's much, much more. And I liked the, um, the all female Ghostbusters as well, but compared to those other three movies, this is much more cinematic. Um, huh. The, it's I thought it was well written. The um the acting is good. And the girl who plays uh so it's Egon's granddaughter. Uh-huh. And she is fantastic. And you know, we've talked about this many times on the show. Kid actors are often not great. Yeah, um, it's a challenge. She's playing 12, but I guess she's 15, 14 or 15. And and the other kids in it are excellent as well. So I really, really liked it. I, oh, I thought, cool. thought it was great. So my my sister had a, a Christmas party, and she made. Uh, Spanakopita. Have you seen the Spanakopita episode of the Venture Brothers? Not yet. No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> nobody else, like, I was like, oh, Spanakopita. Like, nobody, <laughs> nobody got it. Understood the reference. But so when you get to that, when you get to that episode, I will let you know. Yeah. Let me know. All right. So uh, what are we doing for next time? So I brought up um, 1974's Black Christmas. Okay. I never so, heard of it. Okay. So let's do that. Tis the yeah. season. Yeah. Um, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Give us a shout. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, leave us a comment. Um, if you're listening to us on a podcast, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. And we're going to watch black Christmas, 1973. You said 74. Yeah. 74. There's at least one, there might be two. I think there's two remakes, so avoid the remakes, but yeah. We're going for the original. The OG. Okay, great. And um, 
Yeah, Conair. Wow. Wow. Uh, anything else to add? I, I think that's everything. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. And uh, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>